0: Jackass could be like a really good sounds like we're going live yeah we are Jackass could be a really good churn reducer we're 10 minutes early this week it's 10 20 a.m on the West Coast 1 30 p.m on the East Coast this is value after hours I'm Tobias Carla. I'm joined as always by Bill Brewster and Jake Taylor what is happening fellas we're just discussing Paramount
1: they also got Mean Girls Mean Girls you could watch that over and over again so they got some stuff
2: yeah, I'm, we're 10 minutes early to make up for all the times that we've been late.
1: <laughs> well, actually I got to bounce 10 minutes early. So <laughs> okay. that's that's actually the reason.
2: Come on, Bill. I was trying to get us some extra credit here.
0: Noted. With the Noted. 10. This is a wacky market, fellas. I was um, on Friday. I thought that there, there was a pretty good chance we'd go through that my my 20% year on year real the, bear market drawdown, but PC we had the most Build-A-Bear. <laughs> yeah, the Build-A-Bear. We uh, haven't gotten there yet. No, it was close. It was like because last year the the market ramped from today through until the end of the year, mm. and uh, I thought that would make it hard because we'll get that with the market going up. That means we have to rally Sembolism. commensurately, yeah, to to avoid a twenty percent bear at this point. But we've got off to a good start on Monday. We really came out of the gates strongly. so we'll see they
2: just they don't want you to be happy i'm sorry
0: it's a totally arbitrary yeah it's like lucy with a football it's a totally arbitrary mark there's nothing like there's nothing magical about it at all i just just for just for like for fun because it happens so infrequently like the thing is it really there have been 50 days over the since 1953 in the s p 500.
2: where value outperform oh sorry
0: (laughs) yeah you can't miss those 50 days where uh where we were actually bo- where it was one day below and then uh there have been like 12 weeks and there have been just a handful of months and then longer than that is like vanishingly small you know all those dates it's like 73 for uh the dot-com bust and um 2000 gfc so if we go into it it's remarkable it's notable
2: <laughs> but we didn't
0: no we didn't <laughs> I'll let everybody know when it happens I'll be oh yeah it'll be I'll send off that uh Ron Paul it's happening flair <laughs> the mm. one where he's really happy Heck yeah that one's it's always funny well I'm in a bear market so I got that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. personal yeah. bear yeah Russell 1000 got into it on Friday mm. but uh and, and then Nasdaq's already in it but the Nasdaq's like Nasdaq's always looking like it's going to go into it it's feast or famine in the Nasdaq yeah mm. yeah
2: really, what's what uh what you got on tap for today
1: i don't know lfg got taken out inflation reduction act earner or a uh, winner uh we got good bank earnings american airlines is uh posting 13 revenue increases year over year or they say they're going to it's uh the world may end soon but not yet Ooh bad for
2: stocks got to sell everything I don't think we're going to say anything smarter than what you just said let, let me
0: give a let me give a shout out to because we got some good I just like saying these place names Halifax, Where are they from? <laughs> York in the UK Braunschweig in it's Germany like a, this is like a
2: geography test every week
0: it's like, better than better than invading the place to find out the name we just get them to put their name in here Seacoast Lisbon Lisbon Portugal shout out to the Portuguese I've been loving a book on Portugal uh it's called Conquerors, something like that uh wonder if there's any value investing in buying pro sports teams yeah there's a Spanish investing group that buys invests in pro sports teams
2: broken down sports teams
0: well they're they're value investors in sports and they they like to buy they like to buy professional sports teams you know the ones that are publicly traded I think they've done pretty well wow that's
2: that's a real nice probably inequality play there right
0: yeah yeah for sure yeah smart because they do well and because they just always do well well, yeah, it's just it's, rich people trading sardines.
2: Yeah, rich people wanting to compete each other for ego.
0: These are public companies. Like they have to be. They 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 have to trade on the fundamentals somewhat, don't they? No. No. Somewhat, somewhat. No. So. No, they don't. <laughs> they absolutely don't. You're not gonna but, get a hundred billion dollar soccer team anytime soon. Maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. They big I mean, man, I you
1: I guess uh traded on some fundamentals, but like uh I mean, I th- I think you you trade them on takeout value minus however long you think it's going to take to take them out plus some margin of safety and that's how you price it. I don't think you're looking at cash flow.
0: But you you buy them when they're beaten up on cash flow and then you sell them when they go and win whatever league they're in because it's a random number generator that eventually their number comes up. I know that because I supported this terrible rugby team and Brisbane <laughs> Reds finally got there after breaking my heart for years and years. Mm. Back to the bottom of the table. I the Pats would say differently, sir move dynasty as the culture I don't think you can know. I don't think that history is going to be the defining factor there yeah looks like it was TB all the way
1: oh I don't know that's he'd be premature for that <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean what, it's been in the league for 20 years what, what are you waiting to see what else he puts on his resume <laughs> well Matt
1: Castle came in and did 13 and three there so it's not it's not as if like that's they fair. haven't won with another quarterback
0: he was uh I like his Twitter buyer used to be family and football and now it's no, just, football. just football. <laughs> wow that's gangster poor Tom,
1: feel bad for him gotta leave those kids too that's tough I don't know if I could do that yeah well I guess it depends how they were acting that week <laughs> momentarily he yeah, can do tell that all us- the time
2: tell us you have young kids at home without telling us (laughs) yeah that's
1: right I've Uh, had uh I've had terrorists enter my bed the last two nights oh yeah yeah. we got an earache going on my sleep score on uh on my sleep last night was 35 percent, which is uh last I
0: checked failing I failed at sleep (laughs) yeah I got sick kids so it's yeah There's, there's too many in the bed every night so then I can't go to sleep right so I start reading
1: I go back in, this little fucker's got his legs completely taking
0: up yeah, my bed space. Oh, yeah. I was like, what perpendicula- are you doing? Sleep perpendicular. Yeah.
2: Monsters. Yeah. Feet in the well, back all night. You're just having dreams uh, that you're falling off ledges. <laughs>
0: yeah. What What do you got? Uh, what do you got on top today, JT?
2: Well, nothing that interesting. Uh, I'm going to hit back into our... So last week we talked about this great progression of 2025 to 2050. And we had uh we teased it with some 10 possible derailers of progress oh, yeah. so we'll we'll run through those and then i also it's much
0: more on brand for us yeah, yeah well get you know you gotta ratings get those, up
2: the, Yeah, those macro doom ratings with the with the 10. um and then so i'm going to supplement it with a little bit from this book called immoderate greatness why civilizations fail so that'll be fun nice and then and then i'll tie it all together with a, a fun little story about the world ending and we'll see if we can Cool. torture our way back into the market from all should this. Should I go get a
1: drink now or should i wait and then just get really drunk
2: uh yeah i mean i think you i've do both i thought you were pre-partying
1: no, no i can't not today but
0: it's so gonna make me depressed i've got two uh just just uh i got a quote from kathy wood oh good um, i don't get gonna, enough of these and i'm gonna <laughs> contrast that with uh how do you say it? Charles Ackery? is it acre or Ackery? Ackery. so Ackery uh from their latest letter from their Q3 2022 from the Focus fund uh just just to just to stick him side by side just to shout out to Chuck I'm sure he's one of the tests to see no doubt. you think Chuck Chuck he
1: gets the transcript back? at least No, Chuck's listening in real time he's retired <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: well let's uh let's kick it
0: up. let's off, start
1: let's... it out with Chuck and Kathy yes
0: right. let's... so let's just do them one at a time so Kathy says disruptive innovation is valued in the seven trillion to eight trillion dollar range
2: what does that mean all of her stuff that she likes is I think so. seven billion Valu- billion dollar trillion dollar market cap
0: by 2030 we think that goes to 210 trillion that's a thirty-fold increase. That doesn't seem possible. But look at what Tesla has done. Tesla is a microcosm of what's going to happen.
1: Oh my god, this is so fucking. This hurts my brain. <laughs> uh, okay, let's keep going.
0: I I think that there's. I think that's prophetic. Tesla is a microcosm of what's going to happen. We'll see. So this is the. Uh, this is Acri. He says. Um, investors will only recoup bear market losses the same way those losses were incurred by owning equities this truism has one caveat losses suffered in profitless and speculative story stocks may prove permanent in many cases who you got Bang! whoopsies <laughs> i think Who's that's i think choose Acre's your comment, bill <laughs> comment is like that is that is the case if you go back to 2000 and this was one of the one of the papers that i put out a few months ago uh, that I retweeted, not that I wrote it myself but uh, and I, I I forget who wrote it now, but they they showed the uh, they had the three buckets of they had the profitless tech from 2000 declined 90% and then flatlined totally. And then the second wave was the the market leading tech that also suffered the big decline and then the rest of the market followed and I'd say where I'd say their prediction has turned out to be pretty much the case like that's what we saw right we saw the market fall over after those other two went so that's probably a reasonable description of what is going to happen so i think actually is probably right it starts
2: at the periphery like the furthest story telling and works its way towards the actual real businesses eventually
0: do you think that's the periphery like when that when the market's running up isn't that the kind of isn't that ground zero isn't that what everybody's in the speculative stuff
2: i kind of meant periphery on as far as uh
0: Value, sustainability
2: profit. yeah maybe yeah. maybe some version of intrinsic value Most speculative, i don't know
0: yeah.
2: or even time horizon might be the better uh, t- uh way to frame it like as we work backwards from a multiple of revenue and then people start working on uh you know maybe ebitda and then they work to ebit and then they work to maybe you know net income and then they work to the balance sheet and now it's cash like how long can this company survive so yeah uh we shall see how those horizons change over time and how that uh the discounting becomes more hyperbolic
0: do you think the tail might have been the letter to the if uh to the Fed mm. what cat is yeah, yeah what, what do you guys think about that I don't know well here's the thing like if you're Yes, you do. We've talked this this about this a little bit before, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, but when everything's going against you, it does feel like it's the Fed. It's certainly not anything (laughs) that you're doing, you know. Yeah. The Fed ate my homework.
1: I I guess this is what I think about the Fed. I I I wrote a little Twitter thread on this today. They have a dual mandate, right? You have employment and inflation employment of econ PhDs is that what no shush just okay so (laughs) this is the this is the dual mandate I mean everybody bitches about these guys we've been through covid uh the world has not ended our economy is too good that's the fundamental problem yes we have inflation they're trying to break the back of inflation because people smarter than me tell me that inflation is what takes down central banks the the uh the employment picture has not cracked somebody's out there screaming it's lagging it's lagging i fucking get it i know uh so i mean people are still traveling uh some labor is going back to normalized uh you know but i have heard anecdotally that people have gone from swinging hammers to back to serving dinners that's probably a decent thing uh (laughs) yes we are going to slow down housing that's the explicit goal here like but i i don't understand why uh why what they're doing i are they probably going to overdo it yes is it an imperfect institution yes but like they're doing what they should do so you know kathy if you own shit that has a 30-year duration and all of a sudden people hike interest rates on it you're going to get a drawdown if you're right you're going to be fine so you know let them do their job they don't care about your portfolio and be right that's what i think
0: i think that that whatever they do now and i think that probably hiking interest rates is the right thing to do at the moment but the problem has been sown over the last 10 or 20 years and probably earlier than that but particularly over the last 10 or 20 years as we've just Printed and kept interest rates pinned at zero. Like it's just in no way. Sh- there's just no possibility that zero interest rates. If you think about it from the perspective of a businessman or businesswoman, business person, somebody, nobody's going to lend out money on a risk. You know, take risk lending out money for no return. It's just it just doesn't happen in the real world. The only way you get that is if you got somebody leaning heavily on the scale and controlling the money supply. Yeah, and but that's and that's what system. creates all of the silliness. Speculating, it is, but I don't like appreciation it. of well,
1: but of it bonds, doesn't matter right? what you like,
0: your opinion I, I matters it, as
1: much as Kathy's.
0: But it's, I think it's bad for society, that's that's my problem with it. I mean, I you mean, gotta I play the game, but I, I of course, I am. I'm, I'm going to survive in the game, whatever happens, I'm going to be okay. I'm not worried about me, I'm worried about the other 50% of the population who are below the median income. Well, the good news
1: is the people that were above the median locked in their payments on their houses when rates were low and now the people that are trying to come up get to buy houses at lower prices so we all win you just can't look at your you can't capitalize your wealth on your house and say oh i can go spend this well here's a shocker a house isn't a trading asset
0: plenty of people in california feel differently
2: yeah he lost well, my people way to get riches fucked.
0: but, <laughs> and th- in but Vegas. Th-
1: this isn't a new story right this is an asset uh, uh it's, a, it's some form of an asset liability mismatch you incurred an asset that has a 20-year duration and you treated it as if it was a six-month asset so you're screwed sucks next
0: but they're sort of encouraged into it like it's not when it happens systematically they're, they're encouraged into it it's not like it's it's any individual who's made a silly decision when it's happening on mass like somebody somebody has created the conditions an entity has created those conditions sure but these
1: secondary tertiary flipping markets I, I look I'm super long housing I'm fine I'm not losing any sleep over it I'm losing sleep over my little kids but not my investments and we'll see like you know Maybe we actually do have to print our way out of this and real assets actually do uh protect I think that's how yeah. housing works. Sorry. Russell, J- Russell
2: Napier had a piece that's been making the rounds. Um uh, tweeted
0: it out too. Pari so, got there after you oh, know, really so.
2: Yeah. Um, and in it he makes an interesting point that uh, we probably don't talk about enough. And that is that the Fed is the monetary half of the coin. But there's a fiscal half of the coin as well that is what the government does, and trillion dollar deficits, interest rates rising for government debt that has to be serviced, cost of living adjustments for retirees that are that the government is on the hook for all of those things are seem to be quite inflationary to me um, i mean it's st- it's very stimulative like we can have the Fed backing off and raising rates but then if you're still running trillion dollar deficits if you're forgiving student debt all these things i think are kind of count, like we're driving around with the the brakes on and jamming the gas pedal at the same time um, and the the, co- the lack of coordination there it, to me seems kind of silly and like there should be more of a coordinated response if we're trying to if we're going to delude ourselves into thinking that we can control this quote unquote machine that is the economy then at least you would think that you would want to like to kind of be on the same page i don't don't independent,
1: independent fed <laughs> i mean imagine imagine if uh biden came in and replaced uh j Powell because he was nominated under trump and then his fed official was keeping rates low what people would say
2: yeah who wouldn't want to keep it low while you're in the, the i mean it's yeah, the, that's
1: why Trump used to berate the Fed every day. Well, he just yeah. pumped the stock market cuz he needed a bubble like his personal net worth. Anyway, mm-hmm. I
0: digress. Sorry sure. for people that like him. Do you, do you think or- the issue is the mandate? Like the I think the dual mandate is silly. The, wh- I think what what the Fed should do, what it should which is what it was set up to do when you have bank runs so that no individual bank is taken up by I mean, we can talk about the fact that all of these banks are insolvent all the time and that's a problem but they are like they literally they're they're, they can't they can't if everybody shows up and asks for their money back on one day now oh, well that's that's the, the definition as and when you can't pay your debts as and when they fold you, you, you are yeah. bankrupt but that's not how we run the economy we've we've decided for whatever reason that we're going to run our banks this way so when you have a bank run they should be able to have a, a central bank that they all own that coordinates the liquidity between them to stop that thing from happening so everybody who lines up about the door gets paid that's what it should do and instead we've given it like employment and asset price stability which nobody can control
2: climate change throw that on there too
0: <laughs> yeah these are things that the central bank can't control and it's silly to pretend that they can
2: yeah capital should be readily available and very expensive
1: i don't know i think they've done a good job over the last two years shoot me if you want i think they kept rates I low that probably quite too possible
2: long. I, i'm not sure i disagree with you but it's the 10 years before that where i take umbrage that they could have been making room for to have more options and they
0: they're didn't. trying to do it now that's what they're trying to do he's trying to create a headspace now so that when we really get the flush then they can they can pull the interest rates down But you know if you look back at the experience of every other time that the market's fallen over they've done that closer to the top honestly and the markets then proceeded down for more than like a year after that so what the Fed does in the chaos won't make much difference
1: yeah well we won't have inflation if the chaos ensues well we so could have done we'll have job. both
0: we can have both yeah you can have Dude, China's inflation. gonna
1: implode man I mean, the macro backdrop is not pretty right now.
0: I saw that they didn't release their numbers. Yeah. I mean (laughs) China. You can just not do that, evidently.
1: Talking about invading Taiwan. Shit is fucked up over there. That's a scientific term.
0: Yeah, that's the I don't know handicap. Where's
1: demand coming from in Europe?
2: Speaking of handicapping, what have you guys seen this like twenty-five percent chance of nuclear uh engagement I don't want let's to talk say. About
0: it. is that that is that that minutes to midnight thing like they always it just it's always one one minute to, 30 seconds to midnight one second to midnight
2: you know what bothers me about that is like I couldn't tell you what the odds are that my wife's gonna make chicken for dinner <laughs> tonight and yet yeah, you're on the end yeah you can come up with like twenty five percent in a you know somebody who's got their finger hovering over the button and you somehow can untangle this whole like convoluted geopolitical mess i, I, I mean, actually the, i find it to be irresponsible actually to say yeah, those kinds of things yeah i agree tim
1: dylan had a good podcast about this i don't know that i agree with what he said but he had a funny podcast about it is that right it shocked me yeah he was just like I, i'm not even gonna say it you can listen to him but <laughs> the fact his that point this was so in, like we're really gonna like amplify our, our
0: ourselves into nuclear war over like this i we're just gonna I get ourselves of, all fired up about it it's all politics is domestic they're not talking to all politics is domestic it's all about what's going on at home both sides and but to to go back to that nuclear weapon that who knows when that you know the US has lost nuclear weapons and I would say the new the US is more responsible in tracking its nuclear weapons than almost any other country in the world we don't know where a lot of the nuclear weapons are it's inevitable that one gets blown up it's inevitable it's scary like they could do it over it heavily populated city just by blowing up like you can make it a dirty bomb by just blowing up the bomb and like not actually setting it off in a nuclear like just spreading the nuclear waste all over the place awful horrifying stimulative
1: though you got to rebuild all the houses Uh, that's
0: that broken window fallacy. we're not gonna i'm not gonna let that run on this podcast
1: i figured that would trigger you both you're welcome (laughs)
0: yeah, <laughs> Caleb Proctor says 25% chance of nuclear showdown is high enough that I'd not come to work tomorrow. I agree. Oh, man. Yeah, we should that's just, not let's, great.
2: Let's, let's get into my topic. We're too close to it already, so it'll be... Yeah, that works. It seems like it. something
1: that can derail the progress.
2: All right. So I'm going to, like, bang through these 10 derailers of progress, and then we're going to get to, like, the more fun part of the story. But if, as you recall, this was uh, from... Oh shoot! What was the guy's name? Peter Lyden, and he had all this kind of, you know, I'm not gonna call it magical thinking, but uh, hopefully, rosy <laughs> scenarios that I, I'm, you know, I think we're all praying come about. Um, but here's what might derail that progress. Uh, number one, liberal democracies fail. Uh, basically, we have a hard time like effectively carrying out actual will of the majority uh, because of uh structural problems within our democracies that make it hard like we're kind of being divided and conquered a little bit by our political parties uh quasi-civil war or number two uh zealots on both both sides they get desperate and start talking about civil war and it learned leads into actual political violence maybe January 6th is a I don't know somewhat of a precursor of that idea
0: those three are basically the same thing right there's just problems with democracy and that's since democracies existed that's been the case but uh, and i don't think he's wrong but sometimes i think that's those things might be good things but keep on going
2: number three enforced groupthink. Uh, zealots on the far left take cancel culture too far and stifle open debate and then uh we end up with less of a pluralistic society
0: i think that's does pluralistic men
2: uh i think it, in this context uh like wealth like well articulated um like on multiple sides
1: i'm gonna take a shot at the right on this too it's not like Do they're it. uh super uh
0: accepting of rhinos for lack of a better term yeah advocating a system in which two or more states groups principal sources of authority coexist okay cool. Okay.
2: losing track of truth uh facts get more and more contested uh people can't communicate across parallel universes of media that feels pretty real um science starts to get jeopardized and politicized that also feels a little real uh tech gets demonized this uh might be that's true uh, a scapegoating of tech companies that yeah. might lead to less p- technological development over the next 25 years Yep. uh genetics gets shut down uh, that's yeah kind of a you know religious angle on that one that's we've seen that before uh nuclear bomb explodes so we think we've already delved into that one enough uh yeah
0: I, I, I don't mean that that's gonna I don't think that ends it but yeah that's a risk I don't know if it ends it. I think we'd keep on going after that we'd well and I think that after, like afterwards. their
2: argument is that uh actually that that would shut down like nuclear energy research uh that we probably need if we're going to transition off of hydrocarbons so um similar to what happened actually like the first time around when we bombed nagasaki Um, desperate oil states uh as we shift from carbon to, to cleaner energy who knows what kind of you know gambles that they might take uh if their access to power which is oil is is being you know jeopardized
0: just just before you move on to that point do you think that like for geopolitical reasons getting off oil that seems to be one of the reasons why you get off oil right but then if you need a whole lot of these rare earth minerals to um to jump into batteries like doesn't that like isn't that in the name the, the fact that it's rare earth doesn't that mean that it's hard to find
2: uh i think it's not that they're hard to find quote unquote it's that they're they're so diffused that you have to process a shit ton of materials to get them so they're rare in the instance of like you know a rock has a small amount of it Uh, so like actually like getting a concentrated enough amount to create these batteries or whatever it is you're trying to build is just takes a lot of energy to, to harness it and get it all into one place.
0: Okay. So they're Uh, not abundant.
2: (laughs) So they're not abundant. Yeah, they're, they're rare. (laughs) Uh, balkanized world, uh, this tackling some of these global problems that that we've been talking about is probably really complicated if we don't have a, you know, a kind of globalized uh, approach and uncoordinated uh like localities arguing about things um china hot war uh this is the last one on here just basically china and the us battling each other uh would be detrimental to this great progress
0: i think everything except for that last one would probably overcome and still get there but that last one that's civilization destroying if that happens
2: yeah all right, now let's bang out a moderate greatness. Uh Why Civilizations Fail by William Ophels. Uh, uh I like it. Yeah. It's a nice little short, you know, uh, well it's actually pretty well articulated and well-reasoned first principles uh approach. Shout out to my buddy Mike McCoy who uh gave me this book recommendation. Uh so number one is ecological exhaustion. Uh and this guy, Francois Renard uh de Chateaubriand, I believe is. His name is said. Uh, Good name. Yeah. He says, uh, forests precede civilizations, deserts follow them. Mm -hmm. So the idea is basically like cities are effectively ecological parasites, like they suck resources like matter and energy into them and away from the hinterlands around them. And they can only exist by exploiting kind of the rural and natural periphery around them. Um, is like a bacteria in a Petri dish that it expands until all the nutrients around it are exhausted and then it collapses. And this is like, he's a, a historian actually, this William o- Ophel. So he's like looking at Rome, he's looking at all these different civilizations that collapsed and trying to find like what's the common framework. And it's actually sort of a physics approach to it. Um, so number two is exponential growth. And like we kind of all understand this, but he has a couple examples that like really help drive the point home. Um, The first thing is that the amount required to achieve the next doubling in an exponential uh, series is it always has to be slightly larger than the sum of all the previous growth combined. right? So every double effectively requires everything before it plus a little bit more. What Uh, what does
0: it require a little bit more?
2: uh, That's just the math of doubling. Um,
0: Doesn't it just require the same amount as before? It's just the math, man. It's the math. But it does like doesn't it just require which is saying that like that's quite a lot like in order to double from here we've just got to do everything that we've done through the entire history of civilization again one more time right what are we doubling uh well hopefully what are you interested in
1: here hopefully GDP i don't know over, <laughs> well i know it's some, something i'd like to double but
2: <laughs> i mean the answer is gdp if we want to grow out of a lot of these problems that we're facing
0: uh, ah, we restructure that's the most american how, thing ever how much that's slowed since but sorry keep on going but that is like that was you know i did that that dan rasmussen step where he was like 6.3 since the start of the data and like it's definitely not running anywhere near that at the moment yeah we don't have babies no immigration
2: so this let, let's drive this home with like an actual example so imagine that it's 11 p.m and we put a single bacterium that divides once per minute into a bottle and the bottle is sized so that it, it would be full of bacteria in exactly one hour okay so the first question is when will it be half full an hour in
0: one no 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 no, wait
2: well i got an hour it's one hour right it's one hour does it double every minute it doubles yeah
0: so a minute ago it was half full
2: yeah so Uh, one one minute to midnight it's half full and then by on midnight, it's completely full. So now imagine that we wave a magic wand and we make the bottle four times larger than it was. How much time have we gained? Two minutes. It's, yeah, almost none. Like one minute after midnight, the bacteria will have the new bottle half full. And one minute after that, it's completely full, right? So now <laughs> even reminds
1: me of Buffett's wealth.
2: It is so if if the bottle is 32 times larger than our original size that only buys us five minutes past midnight so this is the like the the issue of exponential growth if that's what you're trying to do is that it like eventually it just becomes it collapses under its own weight
1: that's why you got to
0: shrink to grow
2: well that's actually one of his takeaways at the end but
0: uh the most civilizations though seem to be well if we look at around the world at the moment as countries get richer or as societies get richer they tend to have fewer kids so they get to this maintenance level where a couple has a couple of kids basically right so doesn't it kind of like for I don't know if we are like doing that instinctively but isn't that doesn't it suggest that we get we get to this point where but that's just replacement right
1: then we gotta then we gotta stop eating cows and go to fish and then Jeremy Grantham will be a
0: happy man china's about to sh- china's got a demographic issue that's unique to china but china's about to start shrinking over the next decades uh as a result of the one child policy
1: yeah yeah you got so you got some desperate kind of superpowers out there not great not
0: great bob i so many sounds like malthus malthusian broken warnings yeah that was always the the, the argument right that Food yeah. is consumed at a geometric rate and we or humans grow at a geometric rate and we only expand food supply at a arithmetic rate. Have right. we got that around the right way? Yeah. Oh, yeah Big watch. shout out to Monsanto. Thank you for solving that, despite yeah. the fact that
1: people don't like you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Fucking people don't think about what the world would be like without Monsanto. They just bitch about what it's like with it.
2: So speaking of food, uh number three. This idea he calls expedited entropy. And basically, like civilizations grow in population and appetite. And so the demand for agricultural products is bound to increase as this is happening. But the natural state of land is in, basically incapable of meeting this demand. And so external energy has to be added to boost the yields of that land. Uh, and so he says the quantity of energy consumed per unit of output rises higher. Industrialized agriculture is a biological machine that turns petroleum into calories at a ratio of approximately 10 to one. So uh like basically, like we we've talked about this on the show. Like we're converting oil into food effectively all the time, but it's it's 10 to one, uh, in his estimation. I am not sure if uh of meals comes in at that same number, but um, but the idea being that like you are there's still some loss
0: in the process, right? There's, whatever whatever Vaccliff gets to, it's it's a, it's the ratio might be wrong, but it's comp it's something like that. It's there's a lot of loss in it.
2: Right. And so he says, like you have to think about the energy return on investment, E-R-O-I. And that's how much energy does it take to capture the useful energy that we actually use. So it used to take the equivalent of one barrel of petroleum to obtain a hundred barrels of energy equivalent, right? Because it was so easy to get out of the ground. It was so plentiful, like it didn't require any kind of heroic measures to get it. That ratio's declined now to fifteen to one, and it, it actually like this whole idea of peak oil is sort of like a weird conversation because it, it has nothing to do with the total quantity. That's that's less important. What's what's more important is the net available. So you could have a billion barrels of oil, but if it took such Herculean efforts that it required five hundred million worth of energy to get them out, now you're down at an EROI of only like two to one, and that's the important number. Um, so. Basically, like there's, there's a, a tendency for civilizations to continue developing despite the fact that they're accumulating a kind of a thermodynamic debt that has to at some point be paid off.
1: Sounds um, like a good argument for the Inflation Reduction Act. <laughs> I'm not kidding.
0: We do need to give that third mandate to the Fed.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. All right, number four uh, excessive complexity. Now, we've talked about this on the show as well when we talked about like nuclear accidents and how those come about uh, and normal accidents in Charles Perrault's framework. Uh, But imagine a skilled juggler and they're very good and they can handle 20 balls at a time, right? But what happens if you throw that 21st ball in? Like they start getting dropped. Um, And a complex civilization is basically like millions of individuals engaged in this mass mutual juggling act, right? And we saw how that broke down the complexity of all of our supply chains when you threw that ball of you know COVID into it. Uh, well, if you, you pro- shut it
0: all down, it turns out that it's hard yeah. to function. Yeah,
2: and it's hard to get, get back going again, right? Like it's hard to get all the balls coordinated. Uh,
0: yeah, don't shut so it all down at once. Is a that's a good lesson. approach. Yeah.
2: Um, so problems that once were separate, they actually start to the to coalesce together in what they call like a, a problematique, um, I've never heard that word before, but it's it's basically like an, a nexus of problems that mutually aggravate each other. It's sort of like How do sy- I say this? synergies? Problematique, like problem, problematique with a at at the end of it. Uh, right, I'm gonna French use that, yeah. I'm gonna problem. use that
1: tonight. A hey, problematique, sort <laughs> <laughs> of that's what the kids' football team has, they just all suck. You yeah. have a problematique,
2: it might be the coaching, uh, so hey,
1: now it is,
2: and then uh. And lastly, so these there's all these feedback loops that are operating in nonlinear fashions that lead to chaos, and we've talked about this before, right? Like systems that they start to become impenetrable, less predictable, less manageable because they start getting so complicated, right? No one can wrap their mind around all these interactions. Uh, Number five is moral decay, and he's you know he kind of breaks this up into ages of there's the age of pioneers or conquests. That's like the early civilization then you know things are working and they move into commerce and then there's affluence and then intellect and then finally decadence and that's what you know the moral decay eventually turns into uh and then the last one number 6 is practical failure and that's when you know affairs that are when the affairs are far from simple and morale, morale is low, selfishness crowds out sacrifice. The interests of the masses and the elites diverge, and the elites themselves are divided into warring factions. And basically, like planning becomes impossible in the long term, and you know, expedient decisions abound. Uh, investments in physical and social infrastructure create like entrenched habits and patterns and institutions and ideologies, and basically, like society becomes very brittle and it starts to break up. Uh, And he says governments at that point usually trash their currency. Uh, And I'll close this little section with the the last thing he says: it takes protracted hardship to convince people that the world to which they've been accustomed has changed irrevocably. So uh, that's that is immoderate greatness. And I'll just this last little bit. uh, This is the more fun part. Here's your dessert. Uh, Have you guys ever heard of Harold Camping before?
1: No. Mm -hmm. Did he invent camping? No. That'd be uh, sweet. Did he invite Camping World?
2: Founder of Camping World. No, awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> makes sense.
2: I mean, sometimes you're just born to have to play a role. Born right? to greatness. Uh, yeah. So, Harold Camping and the end of the world. Uh, so, Harold Camping was the president of the Christian Family Radio Network, and he predicted that the world would end on May 21st, 2011. Now, spoiler alert that the world didn't it. end then. Uh, but, He had, through his reading of the Bible, had had teased out that it was going to be seven thousand years exactly after Noah's flood, which would have been two thousand eleven in his. However, he figured that out, Um, and of course, being the president of this like radio network, he he publicized this coming apocalypse, and lots of people were convinced, and they donated their money and in some cases all their worldly possessions to fund this publicity campaign. So there were billboards all around the world. They spent more than $100 million on marketing this. fucking stupid. Like, believers quit their jobs, they sold their houses, they liquidated their savings, uh, and all for this May 21st, 2011. And now, one never mind the fact that he predicted the world's going to end in 1994 at one time. (laughs) But this time, he really meant it. Like, you know, he had Mm -hmm. the the numbers are backing him up. Uh, So here's where it gets interesting researchers set up tables outside of their gatherings while they were like you know having these these meetings about it and a few weeks before that May 21st deadline and they talked to the faithful who were coming in and out and these researchers offered them five dollars immediately today or some larger amount in a month like post the apocalypse and so they said like well how much would we have to give you for you to forego the five dollars today is it like $500, five hundred dollars five thousand dollars? And none of he, they couldn't entice any of them to give them money. Like that's how like to take the the bigger payday later. That's how big a like how much they believed that the world was really going to end. There was only one person who took them up on their offer, and this was a guy who was like dragged by his friend to the meeting, and he's like, yeah, "Shit, yeah, I'll take the five thousand dollars in the month instead of five dollars today." But it's you know it's it's easy for us to kind of like poke fun at this now, but. You know, and obviously I know, would have much... poked
1: fun at it, then I'll poke fun at it again if somebody's making a prediction of the. There's always world. a prediction of, of yeah. well, Fuck all right. these so people
2: you you could say, like, how much rigor and logic did they use to to really, like, come to these conclusions? But I think that we're all guilty of a, a Herald camping situation in some aspect of our internal yeah, cable of the world, companies right? <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I wonder if if perhaps just getting smarter is just asking ourselves like where where's our herald camping version uh, you know where we're not really thinking through as clearly um, and where are we where are we hyperbolically discounting because that's really like it's really rare that you get to see it up close in such a like laboratory condition right like people were believing that the world was ending and so they're like their discount rate was insanely hyperbolic relative to you know, Normal conditions. Um, so I, I wonder sometimes about you know we're talking about nuclear war, we're talking about the end of the world. Like, is there possible that some version of this happens in every bear market where you you know the economy is so scary? Like you're what you you want to take that dollar today, even though you you know that it's probably worth more in the future, but it's too painful. Maybe it's not going to happen. It's too too much fear. Um, and therefore, you just punt on it and you sell today and um, you, you're basically hyperbolically discounting similar to the Harold Camping situation.
1: Stocks are going to zero though. So what do you think about that?
2: So you got to get your $5 right now and not 5000 right. in a month. Then you'll own
0: all of the stocks. That's what happens though. Right? That's, that's definitely what happens. People people will sell out as this goes down. Well, I guess it's going back up against it's time to buy. It's um, time to buy there's that great there's that great tweet I wish I could remember who sent it out I have to track it down but it was like at the top your yeah skeleton time horizon expands to infinity and at the bottom it
2: shrinks to zero
0: yeah and I think that's true it's quite true how do you resist that
2: I don't know I'm the idiot
0: that thinks things aren't so bad crazy it's, the problem is it's, it's a it's a very mixed bag and it's probably there are some things that are getting materially better because there was a, there was a log jam um, in many parts of the economy that we're working through that log jam slowly. And we are going to get through that at some point midway through next year or the end of next year or something like that. We're probably pretty much back to normal. But at the same time, we also have a, probably the economy is slowing a little bit because there was that, all of that stimulus that went through had an effect on asset prices and business and a whole lot of stuff. It's just, it's impossible to tease out you know what that all of that implies because that it's such a such a mixed bag of stuff that's going on. But having said that, like the I still think we're we're kind of expensive given where interest rates are for all plus all of that that backdrop. Probably need to, need
1: to replace you know, where do we out. need to be? Ten times, eight times? When are when are we not expensive? When do people finally say we're not expensive?
0: Well we're at like twenty seven times at the,
1: the moment. No homie Rishi uh said yesterday, right? interest rates were at six when Buffett bought the Washington Post I think Buffett said 40 times earnings would have been a rational price to pay so now we're at four not every business is the Washington Post a lot are you know very average like what what, what yeah. where do stocks trade historically and where is the S&P fang
0: well stocks have traded at 16 and interest rates have settled at six and so I guess 16 is roughly the inverse of six so I think that that's probably how you get there We're currently at 19.4 on the single year. And I'll give you the the Schiller in a moment if I can find it. Here we go. And Schiller's at twenty seven and a half, which probably speaks a little bit to the how how overclocked a lot of businesses on a cyclical basis. We're probably going to come back down a little bit here. I don't know.
1: I mean what? Microsoft 12 times earnings cheap enough for people? 10, 8, 6? Like where where is where should Microsoft trade?
2: Here's the thing, though. When it does get down to that price, you're not going to want to buy it then. It's not going to get down there. There's going to be something scary. It's it, if get it gets it down
1: there, I'd have no money left. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mean I, I just, I, you know, it's, every it's stock just will like,
2: trade it under 10 times earnings at some point it, in its life.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm sure that's true. Uh, the, uh, like, if you can't, look if you're if you think like values the place to go if you can't find something in the uk if you can't find something in the mortgage industry if you can't find something in the housing market if you can't find something in europe like what are you doing and if you don't think that and you think that quality businesses are the place to be there is some stuff that's reasonable like i i just i don't know i don't know how cheap it needs to be for people to be like we can buy
0: I agree with all of that, like Ford returns have clearly gone up a huge amount as the market goes down, like that's just, that's the yield is the inverse of the, uh, of the price. Like that's, that's the case. As we've gone down, the Ford returns have got better and better. I just think we've been, at, we've been at such a high level relative to the underlying for such a long period of time that people have forgotten what a cheaper market looks like and, and i think we could find out again what it looks like honestly
2: what do you think about einhorn he was talking about how there's not anyone really left to look at the actual business fundamentals and and buy based on that and or very few people left and so if they're to get a bid it used to be that like you know value guys were kind of it was they were like a shock absorber like a thermostat you know like you could only get so far down before the value guys would be like, okay, this is cheap enough for me to buy and therefore you know it would recover from there whereas you know if, if you if that population was decimated for some ecological reason perhaps low rates uh, you know who's left to buy at you know like how low does it have to go to create a whole new batch of value investors that want to come off the the sidelines I don't know it's an interesting That's two times earnings. earnings
0: that's the same argument that uh,
2: experiment
0: that's Michael Green's argument though that's what he says that is value that investors to... get fired
2: so that does that say infinity or zero like because I don't understand the See, two uh, like, the uh, answer.
0: To, to be fair to Einhorn, what he was saying in that like everybody grabbed the headline where he says value investing is not going to work anymore but the the full quote he was very positive about he was like this is going to be great like we were paying we are paying nine times for things that. We thought were cheap and now they're at three times like this is a no-brainer this is easy game and i do think there's a word out there but there's a whatever whatever the the subsequent return the stock price is is almost irrelevant like you're baking in your returns when you buy like you're getting reinvestment and flows when you're that's like that's what we that's why we value guys right we're looking at the fundamentals we care about the fundamentals not the subsequent stock price performance you're getting all of that baked in when you buy so that, like there are very good values out there right now I do think and the Ford returns are higher than we've seen at any point since this podcast started so I'm very positive I think in the short term though, there's going to be a little bit of chaos but I don't invest on that basis either to be fair I throw all my money in the market when I get it wherever it is
1: I mean I don't I have I have an emergency like if I see risk I will put this out and that's not out like like if I if, if it if I get like If I really think people are panicking, I'll bet that money and I'm not betting that money right now, but this is is a stupid conversation that people are having about where things are going, what the fed's doing, all this nonsense that, that is taking so much time and brain space. Like, look at the end of the day, the biggest problem right now is the economy is too strong. I gotta think there's some stock that benefits that you can look into that, you know, there's some carnage somewhere like God forbid the fed ever cuts rates again the the mortgage industry is going to have a massive bounce back do I own more anything mortgage related no fuck no I wouldn't touch that but somebody might yeah I mean there's something to do I know it I think there's lots of stuff out there there's lots of cheap stuff out there yeah so you know I don't know there's nuclear war doesn't matter much and it'd be a great buying opportunity It's very stimulative,
2: (laughs) super stimulative. (laughs) But Bill, when you say that the economy is too good right now, what does that mean?
1: It means that labor isn't cracking, right? I mean, that's the last one. That's what the Fed
2: wants. I know, but
1: like, I mean, look, I'm excited to read the advertising companies. Let's see what the advertising
2: companies are saying.
0: Mm. I I bet it will be soft
2: in the coal mine. Well, you would think advertising would
0: lead. I think so that will see I think they do the there are a lot of layoffs going around though we've seen all like everybody meta Google uh yeah. Microsoft uh Intel cutting a whole lot of people like those are big numbers when they cut it's like thousands yeah
2: Twitter soon
0: Just to, yeah, yeah Twitter gonna have a lot Is Twitter still money? there Twitter still going yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, if people would stop spending, we'd have less inflation. Tourism, thirty-three percent. You know, prices increases, and people are year spending year money year like crazy. Off a bat, yeah, and mark. they're just, you know, hello, Mark. Even still American even is increasing revenue. American sucks. <laughs> Terrible operators. People still fly them, and it's mostly discretionary. They haven't even had the business return.
0: That's crazy what was the that that um russell napier do you want to talk about that article a little bit did you read that bill
1: no but i i mean i follow what Napier says i'd probably follow
2: capex boom that's an interesting thesis huh
0: yeah do you, you probably do you want to do you want to take a go at articulating what he said
2: you would do that wouldn't you <laughs> Uh, but is he
0: saying fiscal policy
2: is now the has the upper hand and uh it's central banks are neutered and it's going to be governments that are going to be allocating capital via guarantees on loans to companies so yeah keep it off your balance sheet quote unquote even though it's really uh you know off it's kind of a shadow balance sheet liability uh but Underwriting, like basically, like government directing who gets money, and then that's where the economy will morph, and there'll be a big capex boom because of that, like a greening of the of the economy. Effectively, I think he's mostly talking about, uh, and that everyone's going to be pretty happy about it in the short run because it's going to be very stimulative and look like, uh, you know, like hey, we've got all this money, but then it will turn out that a lot of that capital will have been misallocated into projects that probably should have never been funded which is, uh, history's got a pretty good track record on governments not being the best cap allocators. And then you end up with uh, stagflation later, but any, he says any calls for stagflation today are so premature and that you basically are like a little oblivious to history uh, and that's gonna take a while, but when it does come, it's gonna be, then it's gonna be bad.
0: Yeah. I um, got a good line, that I, one of my, my favorite line. Teddy Roosevelt once said that in terms of foreign policy, one should speak softly and carry a big stick. What does it tell you when central banks speak loudly? Perhaps that they're not carrying a big stick anymore. Yeah. I thought Stop that was- Stop paying I, attention to the Fed. I, yeah, It's funny because I, I don't think there's a day that goes by when they don't get some Fed president or- Job owning. Every day. Every like day. really haven't seen collects them as they come through but it's just it's amazing like is that all they do comment to the media and it seems <laughs> that they give they've either they've got different roles right some it's, it's almost like they're trialing thought balloons and they just want to see which one gets picked up some of them are really bearish some of them are really bullish some of them say interest rates are going up some of them say interest rates are going down there's no consistency they all vote consistently but there's no like consistency just, in the public comments it's where we are we see how the
1: sausage is made and everything now there's no privacy anywhere
0: the fact that the there's sausages, no expectation for it. it the sausage is made so haphazardly so chaotically I don't know if I want to eat those sausages anymore
1: <laughs> well it, it's always been this way
0: not that I have you just choice. didn't know it that's right so well, who I think cares? Everybody, everybody speculated that this is what happened <laughs> I should have taken nobody a <laughs> <blue pill.
1: laughs> yeah this isn't like I don't think this is new I just think there's a thousand distribution mechanisms now and everybody can say what they think I'm on a podcast who the hell am I
2: Plug me back into the matrix.
1: Did it
0: in a podcast?
1: Yeah. Oh. Uh, I want to come back
2: as someone important, like a podcaster.
0: <laughs> please. A YouTube influencer, uh, influencer. Is there, is there a worse insult? Really? That's just, there's nothing that anybody can say to you. It's worse than that.
2: How dare you, sir?
0: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, my aspirational goal, man. Hit us with some, uh, hit us with some questions. Let's.
2: We will, you know, bar- you read the like. Answer them.
1: <laughs> if you read the banks, I mean, consumer balances are hanging in there. They're probably going to come down, but like, I don't know. I, I kind of making jokes about American, but they're saying like, I don't, I don't think earnings have officially been released. I don't know if it was a pre-release or whatever, but they're saying like, business travel is not even back, and revenues are up thirteen percent on ten percent fewer flights like people yeah. are eating these costs and they continue to spend. I mean, so I don't know how bad is it. So it's not, just, somebody's going to say, "Well, it's just not bad yet, Brewster You don't understand how bad it's going to be." Well, I've been hearing that since Omicron came. Right? And the, and mm. and I've been hearing that we're going to kick the can That's down the a road I haven't heard for a while. the whole time, <laughs> right? Like it feels like I'm just living groundhog day and and maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know how it feels to have something hell unfold
0: over 18 months. We've seen we've seen We've seen some stuff in this since this podcast has been alive. Like we started out 2019. We've seen oh, the COVID crash. The world
2: was a kinder, gentler place back
0: then. Nah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no. We we saw the COVID crash, and we saw that monster sugar rush run where everybody was in the markets, and now we've seen like where. We're in, <laughs> we're in one of the worst drawings. each other we're in one of the worst there. i'm still gonna buy one of those i'm waiting did for you
2: get a two... board ape yeah that's what i want no,
1: no 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 i said i'm gonna buy it really cheap or really expensive i'm waiting for
0: really cheap Do you okay. are you are you tracking that market because i heard no. that they were like you could get them for like 70 something dollars now like isn't that that's that's about the price eh, 70 bucks getting closer <laughs> i wouldn't mind five ouch no, just so wait like 70.
2: taking the family to I chipotle is a 70 dollar adventure but the board ape thing is not worth the
1: I don't know I I still think that community's probably got cool stuff going on I'm not trying to shit on them they, but they, I don't want to spend $70 on it. they know. got a uh
0: I, I don't know which but you were which, this
2: close when it was twenty five thousand.
0: no I wasn't whichever group investigates I knew, but... the securities I, f- I forget who it is I don't know if it was the New York Attorney General or if it was the SEC or who went after no, these we, guys but we don't some have this, anybody
2: in that
0: role the sheriff has sent them a letter anyway asking them for what? I don't know what a response I guess to, to show why it's not securities offering
1: no oh, I think it probably is right
2: that's the past Tech this bro is the future we're tech
0: bro well, it is we're funny going, how they,
2: we don't need regulations
0: it's weird how they go after this stuff so far after the fact like where were these guys a year ago when this stuff was in at the absolute roaring peak of like that was about a year ago that stuff was Where were they then? Why are they doing it now? Like everybody's already busted on that stuff. Yeah. Everybody's already lost
2: their money. The barn already burned down, the horse (laughs) is gone. The there's no horse.
1: Well, you don't want it to happen. There was never any horse.
2: It is a it's an interesting. I mean, that same thing happens with stocks too, right? Like it completely melts down and then they come in and like look for the bodies that are charged is it and- because
0: you've got damages then you can show the damages but then aren't they as the regulator shouldn't they be job. like front running that stuff i mean they've they blocked that bitcoin etf for so long it's just it's strange to me that that for whatever reason that's the thing that hangs them up there's like so many worse etfs out there yeah it's kind of weird you can speculate on bitcoin all you want in but any not an etf you can, but not through an etf wrapper well, yeah, yeah that doesn't make both. sense
1: The derivative is the security that's kind of wild yeah huh well i think we solved the world's problems gents
2: it's all gonna certainly
1: identified some of them
2: where are you guys at on we've we've done two polar opposites last week it was it was greatness and progress and this week it was calamity like where where are you falling on the spectrum now
0: hell is coming (laughs) I'm very very positive on humanity uh the Western world and the future I think given the trend in technology and most things we've all we're always gradually getting better every single point easy to say when you
2: can bug out to Australia
0: well Australia's got its own problems but and those those flights to Australia are. i had to give a pint of blood i had to give five pints of blood to get to get that stickers. Yeah, but australia. when you get
2: there your dollar is going to be so strong yeah, that you're going to first time ever uh, f- a, mutual, the a mutual friend of ours who's australian said that you're going to be coming back in december and you're going to be like a conquering returning king <laughs> with these with your strong dollar just murdering everybody in australia
0: <laughs> i would love it because i've been back there when it was the other way around when it was the, the uh U S dollar was 50 cents to the dollar Aussie and Australia is expensive. So every time they pay, they, they tend to pay a living wage to people who work in cafes. So everything's like $30, $30. Mm-hmm. $30, $10 $30 $10
2: flat caps. I
0: don't know. Yeah. flat.
1: That's right. Dudes. I, I got a bounce, positive. but my answer is, uh, as long as we realize that we are not each other's enemy, I'm pretty positive. If we, are not. we don't get past some of this political nonsense, then I'm less positive
0: agreed mm-hmm. let's Amen. call it thanks okay. fellas this is fun we'll be back at the, the-